0: Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast, following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. Today is Sunday, the 1st of August 2021. This is episode number 25, BCH Day, the 4th annual BCH Day. Uh, My name is Jeremy, I am your host uh, for the episode, as always, I guess. And uh, today I have returning guest star, the original guest from episode number two, the first ever, and also episode number four, Jet, is back with me today to celebrate BCH Day and uh, six months, more than six months of the podcast, man. How are you doing?
1: Good. Congrats, by the way. It's good to see like the podcast blow up in the space
0: yeah it it has been it's been really uh, really interesting uh journey you know and I think one of the, I, w- I was very fortunate in hindsight that the first episode went as well as it did basically because I made that first episode and when you look back you can see it's me in my lockdown <laughs> terrible flat in London uh just and it was i think it must have been a friday night i think and i was i was just at the end of my tether of having been locked down for that long and just i was actually at a really bad point in my life a pretty low point but i saw that bitcoin cash was you know coming uh, back the transactions were growing and the monero had forked off and everything and i was just like maybe this is it and so then i made this uh, that first episode, which was just an absolute mess. When you, I mean, the production quality of these episodes still not great, but when you look back at that first one, you're like, "Oh God!" And uh, I, but I posted it, and it immediately, yeah, it just was like really well received on the Reddit. I think maybe the whole community just at that point needed some kind of, uh, you know, new new opinions, or everybody was just looking for something and it got yeah like 15 or 20 likes on that first video and so then I thought yeah I'll do another one and then I can't remember how did you come on the first show do you just sent me a message I think just being like hey man get me on this
1: <laughs> honestly that's a good question um I don't know if it was like hold on no I think I think it was reddit where we did first get in touch one sec but I can double check this right now
0: yeah, I don't know. Maybe a bit of like podcast history, because there was another guy that sent me a message. I don't, I don't know. He was kind of like, oh, let's do a podcast together or something, and I sort of said, yeah, yeah, man, let's let's do it. But then he kind of stopped responding, and it just sort of fell through. So I was like, all right, well, never mind about <laughs> about about him then. But yeah, somehow it came together with you. So for anybody who is newer to the show, you can go back. You can listen to episode two with Jet and he was then also on episode 4 and it's funny because uh, some people have said to me that have listened to the show, they said, oh man, I really liked your first episode. That second episode though, man, I don't know about that one. Because <laughs> you were like, uh, you're kind of at a low energy. And also I didn't even show you the slides or anything. So it was a complete disaster. And then the, but then the fourth episode, they're like, oh no, fourth episode was way, way better. Like, like he really uh, fixed fixed up the guest on that episode, you know?
1: Yeah, I think I can't remember if it was the second or fourth episode, but I remember um I had a covid test for one of them. I I got sick like the day of or something. And uh not that that's an excuse, but I really was not feeling shit hot at all.
0: I love it. It's just uh just part of the all all history now. Uh anyway, yeah, yeah, it's good uh we're back after after 6 months, so uh, we'll be able to get your thoughts in a second, but first thing I just wanted to also make a point of uh, to the listeners, if you, they're one of the audio listeners especially, they might not be aware, they might have seen the last couple of episodes came out uh, a week after the actual episode, you know, date that I'm saying in the in the episode, and the reason is because I've been testing out Prompt.cash, which is this uh, Bitcoin Cash payment gateway thing, so I record the episode and then I release it, but I release it under prompt.cash. And that's just a link that I put on my Twitter feed and on noise.cash. And then people can click on that and then pay. So I've set it to, you know, $1. And they pay $1 in Bitcoin Cash. And then it uh, takes you through to the episode and you can watch the episode and everything like that. So I'm I've been trying to experiment with kind of monetizing the podcast a little bit. Obviously, I take the donations. Uh, and that's been great, but I think it's really interesting to see these new ways uh, of of kind of content, you know monetization and and all that because I mean ideally for me obviously it would be awesome if I could just do this as a full-time job <laughs> Quit <my other> job. <laughs> I would I would love to do that so'm I'm, I'm, I'm looking at different ways to to sort of uh, monetize it or whatever. I don't really have any sponsors. it's literally just the just the listeners and I love you all so. Yeah, thanks to anybody who has uh, donated and maybe you can uh, try out the prompt.cash links if you're you're interested to that. And uh, yeah, I've been experimenting with different prices and different community feedback. Actually, people have have thought it was kind of cool, you know, because the Bitcoin Cash economy is that sort of mindset of creating, you know, a viable like financial thing, right? Even though a lot of it does run on sort of volunteer efforts and donations and stuff people think well in the long run, you know this has got to be uh, an actual economy. So yeah, enough about that though. anyway, so tell me what 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 have you been up to what's 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 changed since six months ago?
1: Okay, so I I can't remember so okay, so I, for some context here, I found our first messages on Reddit. <laughs> uh, it was back in January. Um, I had made a post, um, I can't remember if the post was saying that I wanted to find a way to contribute further, or if at that point I had already launched the flip starter. I feel like you'd already already, launched
0: it. I feel like I saw that and I said,
1: yeah. Yeah, I had just launched it, um, and I had talked to other people in the space that were kind of discouraging it. Um, and they, with good reason, right? i had specifically said st- said in the flipstarter, like you shouldn't expect a return on this. I don't know if I could even like get accepted to this school kind of thing. Um, but then I went on the podcast, and I think because of that, the flipstarter was funded within a week. I'm still like so appreciative of that. Um, and it it made it possible for me to go to school. Um, This
0: is to do uh, dev for people who don't know. This is to learn computer programming, right?
1: Yeah, so it was a 12-week boot camp um, where the students were working 12-hour days and the main portion of the boot camp was learning um, just like fundamentals of JavaScript and then we started getting into React and then at the end of it, it was more Um, like on-job-style projects where we were given a 90% finished Ruby on Rails e-commerce platform that had bugs and we're just told like, hey, fix it up. (laughs) And then uh, for our finals project, we got to work in other groups of two or three and just do whatever it was that we wanted to do. And after having like the history of the Flipstarter and having that be the reason why I went to school, I figured it would be fantastic to try and develop a wallet for the final project. Um, so I, I worked in a group of uh, three with a fellow named Zane Ducey and a, another gentleman named Vitali. I cannot pronounce his last name, so I'm not going to try. Um, but we made a non-custodial web wallet, web wallet similar to wallet.fullstack.cash. Um, it, Using the same library as wallet.fullstack.cash. Uh and then we didn't have a whole lot of time to present it, but we did have a five-minute demo um, that actually I, I should have linked you to this beforehand, but I'll link it to you after if you want to maybe yeah, I'll put add it in, it in the description. In. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, now that school's done, I just I, I have this itch like I want to continue contributing back to the space, um, and it's just like finding either that first position to kind of get my foot in the door or finding the right group of people where I know that I can contribute in a valuable way. So um, in the meantime, uh, I turned the wallet into a, a progressive web app. We still have to refactor like responsiveness, so it's not great on mobile right now, I will say that. Um, But once it's all done, um, we just have to get a domain because right now it's just on Netlify, but if you go to guap-wallet.netlify, I will uh, also send you the link for that. Then you can check it out right now. Um, Every transaction, we are using Chris's minimal SLP wallet library, so every transaction that you make does end 2,000 Satoshis to him. Um, So just keep that in mind. We don't have like a max send button yet, Uh, but yeah, all future works. And um, I also started a public Minecraft server. I guess this is the first time I'm announcing it. Um, People can go to minecraft.jetsite.xyz and they'll connect to a server. It only allows 10 players on at the moment, but every player that connects to the server uh, gets their own Bitcoin Cash wallet. I, I believe it is custodial. So the wallet connects directly to my node. Um, and I believe I could still send funds like behind the scenes. So I think it does require trust in me. I would have to tinker around a little more to, to be 100% on that. I'm not going to steal anyone's funds though. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so that it does give users access to the private key for that address uh, too, though, if they want to just take their wallet onto another platform. Um, With that they can tip users in-game or just withdraw at the moment But I want to expand on that and see if I can try and make some kind of public server That people can use without really knowing that it's crypto related Like they just know that we now have in-game money with real-world Real-world value to use in Minecraft and I think that would be something that'll start them young, you know
0: Yeah, that's it exactly you got to just get the fresh generation, you know, that's the thing that uh, I talked about, yeah, a couple episodes uh, with Mark D'Measle as well. And just the idea that for me, it's always been mind-blowing that anybody who is the age of, you know, probably 30 or older and just says, no, this is not going to take over. And it's like, it doesn't even require you to get excited. It could just be everybody <laughs> who is 20 and younger is like, okay. And then it's just a matter of time. We're literally just waiting, you know, as, as you fade out of... Uh, Relevance, but actually, it goes, you know, it does go the other way that I think they've done studies as well that show that uh, teenage girls are the forefront of culture that they've done that if, if a group of teenage girls starts, like, for instance, using a particular kind of slang or, you know, discussing like some new technology or something like that then it sort of slowly goes from there it goes into teenage boys and then it sort of goes up into different you know the age brackets spread out or whatever then it sort of spreads out to everyone right so that's you know it's really just indicative that it you don't need everybody you only just need a few especially young people who are are with it and that that just ends the discussion for everyone else because they realize they're going to be Left out, and it is those uh, younger generations who are by default just open minded. They don't have all the preconceptions of what can or can't be done. They're just looking at what's in front of them, and
1: if it works, it works. It, it's funny that you mentioned that preteen girls are like the lead driving force. When I was, uh, you know, heavily involved in music, that was my argument to why pop punk was dead. It's like, because they're not like all the pop punk bands have turned out to be. Uh, not the greatest types of people. Like a lot of people are on, like, a, you know, um, sexual—I uh, can't remember the sexual predators lists and shit. Like, so yeah. We, how do we? How do we make crypto products cool for preteen girls? I guess is the.
0: Well, the that question. might have to be a topic for another
1: episode. <laughs>
0: let's not let's not get, get ourselves on any lists here <laughs> yeah, but well, no. <laughs> but yeah like it, really it, it's just got to be uh it's just got to have some sort of viral element some sort of social element to it i think is really the key is that for um you know for for those younger users yeah, the, 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 the barrier is low in terms of it needing to look like something that already exists. So sort of trying to reason by analogy and think, oh, everybody likes, you know, this thing that exists. I'm trying to think of a good example, but everyone likes, I don't know, buying uh, groceries. So we should make something that makes sense to buy groceries and then convince people laboriously to do that. That's completely the wrong approach, right? Whereas things like noise.cash, for instance, is one of my favorites because it's, it's just, that's a new thing, okay? Twitter is a thing and it's similar to that, but kind of just putting money straight into it, that's awesome. Or like prompt.cash with being able to sort of pay-per-view just anybody trustlessly, that that kind of thing as well too is, is kind of where they're, or like um, they had that one that somebody did of it was like a Pokemon Go, basically, but with geocaching of different uh, rewards that you could yeah, pick purely up. Pure. Yeah, That Yeah. That kind of stuff is so cool. And that it will be something like that that will catch the imagination and, and go viral, I think. Or even we've seen um, recently, you know, with the whole DeFi stuff, like
1: NFTs. Nobody saw that coming. Yeah. Uh, and the sphere is another... It's like a card... Uh, I think I always associate it with like Slay the Spire, um, and I haven't played with it yet. But that seems like another game built around uh, SLP NFTs. Yeah, yeah. I saw there's this
0: one. It's called Axes on Ethereum that is just going absolutely crazy at the moment with the amount of users and interest and attention. And I didn't uh, try and play it myself or, or anything. It's on Ethereum, but it's bas- it's sort of like a kind of. Uh, pokemon or digimon type thing where you build up your little cohort of of them and you can battle them and all this sort of stuff and there's sort of some DeFi and monetary element and uh, uh, you know of course something like that is is probably
1: what's gonna get crypto massive you know did you ever uh mess with like the waifu nfts no not my style mate (laughs) i gotta be honest i I was like well it's cool that people are,
0: are into this uh i'm happy for everyone to do whatever they want on uh bitcoin cash but i'm i like japan i've been to japan it's it's a good place definitely a very unique place i think you could uh say amazing how safe it is that's one of the biggest uh and how quiet like tokyo is a massive city but when you're there it's so quiet and it's unreal you kind of wish more of the world uh could be like that but the whole yeah waifu tokens or any sort of art based nfts
1: i I haven't really gone in for all that much myself Oh, I was just thinking, <laughs> and building on like the idea of like Pokemon Go or Pokemon fights. Like, let's do like a Waifu Battle Arena. <laughs> Could be a
0: thing. I mean, somebody had this project Hash Dragons that they did uh, a while ago. I haven't heard a thing more about that, so I don't know what happened with that. But any kind of yeah game or I don't know, just something fun. It just needs to be fun, basically. Uh, I think crypto has been too focused on trying to be too economically sort of viable and not enough just
1: like if it's cool people will get will get excited about it i want to see an esports team like dedicated to bitcoin cash games like that's when you know we've made it that that would actually be huge and i mean you can
0: even see that recently in uh unsolicited uh plug here and i have not even used this service but people can check it out i think it's really interesting but there's this site called DJ Esports, uh and they're doing crypto um gambling basically <laughs> so you can bet on the different you know counter-strike teams or league of legends teams or whatever with all the different cryptos and like that kind of thing i mean very gray area in terms of their <laughs> regulatory status and what exactly they're doing there so Uh, everyone on this you know listeners can uh, get involved or that uh, or not at their own uh, peril but uh, that is the kind of thing that we are seeing it sort of find its way into these cultural channels like with uh, esports and and other things like that which fiat is just never going to be able to compete with and that's just unreal that it is uh, taking over in that way I kind of think so yeah Anyway, we should probably actually uh, have a look at the have a look at the price. <laughs> Start the episode off uh, strong here. So the price is five hundred and fifty U.S. dollars, uh, and one BTC buys about seventy-five point two BCH. So the price in terms of USD is up uh, quite substantially from the last episode, where I predicted it was about four hundred something dollars. And I predicted that everything was going to melt down and uh, the markets were going to be horrible in the long term, not on the scale of one week. But I thought uh, after the price uh, came ticked up again this week, which would fit with the idea that it's the bull trap and then we're going to go into a big decline after uh, Tether blows up. So I'm not I'm not exactly out of the race uh, just yet but I thought it would be pretty funny if I would made that video and then it turns out to be completely wrong and it just like so crypto just goes skyrockets and I will be like the bottom indicator of the the doubter I, <laughs> I wouldn't mind that either actually um that would be kind of funny in hindsight I mean obviously I'm a big crypto fan I was not like selling out my uh crypto I was um you know slowly always uh dollar cost averaging in as I as I am getting uh, paid, well, I'm n- now getting, uh, you know, getting some salary in BCH as well too. So um, <laughs> I'm still, Congrats. I'm still, uh, yeah, I'm still, you know, bullish on crypto as a whole. But uh, I-, I think, yeah, we're going to see some issues with Tether. But it was just interesting that last week uh, was a bit of a-, a local low. So we'll we'll see. Uh, I-, I it's funny as well too because when you see the price, if it goes, let's say, the price of Bitcoin goes from. 40,000 to 35,000, then if you're watch, paying attention on Twitter or Reddit or whatever, the sentiment it instantly flips. Everyone, 40,000 to 35,000, suddenly everyone who was saying, we're going to 100K, or they're all vanish. And suddenly everyone's, oh no, it's, it's all over, the regulators are coming in, the government, we're finished. And then the other way too, if it goes up from 35 to 40K and all the cryptos rise a little bit, and then suddenly... Well, who were the bears they were saying that we're all over I knew it was I knew it wasn't the case <laughs> we're back in it you know it's just so uh hype based and there's so little accountability for anybody's Twitter feed as to whether or not they were right so
1: well everyone forgets in three days anyway
0: yeah exactly there's always a new story of somebody who's like well I perfectly predicted this from the week before <laughs> like, uh, somebody's always predicting it right and all the people who don't Good old selection bias, you're all forgotten. So, hopefully, I'll either be a genius or or my predictions will be buried and I'll just not mention them. So, it's all it's all good. Uh, in that case, can't can't lose really. So we've had the transaction uh, volume for BCH has been pretty pretty good recently. It's been in the eighty to ninety k range, and BTC did sort of decline from its 350-ish thousand down into the low 200,000s, which is pretty interesting because even as we were, um, you know, at such a point of of crypto was going massive and everything like that, and then as the price slumped off, uh, the transactions have just died off a bit on BTC, which is so interesting because it's like even... Uh, when the price is going up, they eventually hit that ceiling and they're stuck there. So they, their growth is capped. But then it's not like once the price dies off that they stay at that cap. Actually, it's the opposite. Even people are still dropping away from that cap. So they really just can't sustain being the market leader through you know a, another couple of years of this kind of process. Because if every time they're hitting that ceiling on growth, people are going to be finding alternatives. Like, bch or, or like other coins and yeah what soon what sooner or later it's just going to happen that everyone's just going to wake up and think btc you, you're in the
1: past yeah i've always said like more recently with other developer friends that haven't really touched uh cryptocurrency like yeah work with bitcoin like see how that treats you i've got no problem i'm promoting the use of bitcoin like btc because i know that it just like it just directs the attention elsewhere like we should have a btc day you know like a national holiday everyone tries to send a transaction see how that goes
0: yeah well that's the funny thing about it is that you know bitcoin has become its own worst enemy in terms of the only thing that you know the best advertising case against bitcoin is just people who actually are new to it which is funny because the people who are fervent supporters of it they they invariably have two key attributes. One is that they don't actually use it that much because if they did, they would pretty quickly realize, God, this is a nightmare, you know. So I don't know, maybe they buy in every week on their Coinbase account, but they aren't spending it or they aren't, uh, you know, building a new service or they aren't because if they w- were, they would quickly discover it was untenable and all the haters, you know, had some legitimate points. Well, and the other thing about it is that they've also been into it for sort of a while, or they've, yeah they've sort of been inculcated, they're not coming to it with fresh eyes, because the newer you are to it, the less uh, you have emotionally invested, let alone financially invested, in any one of the coins, and so the more you're willing to just kind of be like, all right, let me just give this a miss, you know, it didn't really work out, I'm sure there's a different option.
1: I agree with most of it, but... I feel like the longer I'm in this space, the less I emotionally care about any cryptocurrency. Like, I feel like the longer I'm in it, the more just like I get cynical, maybe, or I'm like, the goal is to starve the state. It's not to whatever the hell this is, right? Like, and so I'm, yeah, I've been kind of anti number talk for a while now, but. I'm, I don't even think I'm anti-number talk now. I'm just so bored of it. Like, I feel like we've completely lost the plot.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's really where the sort of the, the bear markets do actually in some ways allow crypto to shine because when the price is going down and people are even finding it depressing to check in on, then that, that's where like the people who are not focused on that, who are just like this you know podcast, for instance, I'm going to do an episode once a week or once every two weeks. It doesn't matter whether the price is up or down, right? I mean, we do talk about it, but...
1: Yeah, some of us just want to do cool shit. Yeah,
0: Like, you can still
1: build a web wallet. It doesn't matter
0: whether, you know, it's up or down today or, or tomorrow kind of thing, right? So, and, and in a strange way, that's a, an interesting aspect for the community which is that the people who last are the ones who are building things that ironically are not related to the price and then when the price goes up everyone's suddenly like oh you genius look at this project you know let's get involved or you know suddenly there's a huge flood of attention but the only way to sustain it in the meantime was to have a motivation other than the price yeah cool Yeah, hundred percent. So we got our other stat that we check in every week, and I thought this again very very interesting given the recent sort of trends, which was that uh, BCH has just been sort of flat, doing between you know five to five to seven billion for the last uh, month and a half or so since the price has cooled off, and then BTC, you know, so BCH is very consistent, presumably because it's regularly being used, basically that people are just trading a, a good amount each day but the btc it's really it's, yeah it's just spiky you know it's sort of like if the price is going massively up or massively down suddenly there's a huge spike in btc activity and then if it's kind of stable then it all just sort of dies away and so we saw that again where the you know if the price action in btc is not getting people excited then it is down to like you know 10 8 12 kind of billion per day, which is only 2x what BCH is doing, despite being 75 to 1. But then if the price rockets up, well, suddenly everybody's moving around on the exchanges or, you know, a huge flurry of activity starts. And we saw that as even as extreme as it literally went from under 10 billion to like 45 billion in two days. And since then, it's dropped back again from 45 billion down to only, you know, 15. And it'll probably come right back down again to to seven or eight here, and it just goes to show that those. I mean, maybe there's another explanation for this, but I think that <laughs> that fits the data pretty pretty great, and it just is indicative of those different community mindsets. Yeah, I, I don't know any any
1: any any thoughts on this, or am I just reading the tea leaves here? <laughs> no, I I. I have no disagreement. Like, I don't, uh, yeah, no, we're on the same page. I don't have
0: anything else of value to add. All right, cool. So moving on then. So today is BCH, the fork day. And it was funny that it came, or I guess it was called hashtag BCH day, people have been saying, but it was funny because people have been making the point. The first year after the split in August 1, 2017 so august 1 2018 uh i was hearing people saying it was called independence day which is an interesting yeah that's what i know it is kind of an interesting angle because it's sort of like independence from from what from the bitcoin core developers or independence from the bdc community you know it's kind of uh (laughs) kind of an interesting angle right from from AXA Insurance Group. Yeah, exactly. From that's what we're independent. Independent from. from the banking system, from from Blockstream, and then, but then over the next couple of years, it sort of it was kind of got a bit relabeled to like Fork Day, which kind of makes sense because that that's what it's about. It was the date of the of the fork, and then this year it's become BCH Day. So I don't know that anybody really knows exactly what it's called. Everybody just knows that it's significant. I mean, I quite like BCH day to be honest, because the, I've got the wrong date here, but the uh, important thing is that it's not the birthday. That's the key point is that for, uh, you know, Bitcoin's birthday, which was January the third, I've got the ninth here, but I think it's actually the third in January 3rd, 2009, when the network was first launched by Satoshi, so Bitcoin Cash has the exact same significance of that day as Bitcoin does. So both of those communities share, you know, some significance on that day. But then BCH uniquely has this kind of fork day because in the BTC community, they don't care that we forked off on that day any more than we care what day Bitcoin SV or eCash like forked off, right? And so the it being BCH Day being a day that the community can celebrate, you know, Bitcoin Cash specifically, rather than Bitcoin, the more general thing I think is actually is actually quite cool. And I also like that the then both you know BC and BCH or different cryptocurrencies have their halving days uh, with BCH when every four years the cycle sort of, um, you know tapers off in terms of the amount of the inflation uh, according to the predetermined schedule. And I just like that there is the Bitcoin birthday, the fork day bch day and then the halving days which are kind of oddly it's sort of like a leap year in the calendar and that the community has these days because it it feels to me like people are familiar with that you know they're used to every year okay they have new year's day and then you know in america people like halloween right or christmas or different religions have their sort of specific days different countries have national days and things like that and just having those moments those kind of cultural touchstones i think is is
1: really healthy for the community i think you've forgotten one of the most important like bitcoin holidays have i, I probably i probably have what is it pizza day oh yeah yep
0: yeah, yeah exactly that's another one i didn't even i uh, think we because we did it we had that recently as well too with the BTC bitcoin pizza that you couldn't pay Actually, in pizza, that's the, it's the, <laughs> it's like the 15th of May, I is it? Or that. what's the, I can't remember specifically. Oh, I don't know the Okay, day. well, <laughs> nobody knows <the> day. <laughs> that's a hard one to remember. I just wait till it comes up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Bitcoin pizza day, that, that's another one, right? And we're probably not going to have too many more days. You can't, you know, they get a bit meaningless if you have too many of them. But it's a kind of a good spread between the halvings. That's kind of only half because that only shows up. Uh, every every so often, that's kind of like the lunar calendar. I think of that, you know, that it, it, it's sort of on a different uh, time scale to the the regular clock. And then you've got the uh, yeah the Bitcoin's birthday, BCH day, and and Bitcoin Pizza day. Yeah, all very significant uh, moments in the community. But given this is the uh, BCH day, uh, and also coincidentally, yeah, close to six months of the. Uh, podcast I I just thought it would be interesting to reflect especially since you were on that first episode as to where you know how how things have changed in the last six months how you're feeling I mean we were both just on this uh, stream done by the Satoshi's Angels where they were sort of celebrating BCH Day and uh, a bunch of people it was really really interesting like loads of people in the community talking about these different projects they had and sort of announcing different things and to me, it, I will well, put a link in the description, people can uh, watch that stream uh, as, as well themselves to kind of keep up to date. But it really just showed that the ecosystem is just constantly growing and expanding and finding new advocates. And also that uh, in BCH, the mindset is so proactive. I think that the BTC community or some other cryptos, it's kind of like, let's all get rich and people with that mindset are also thinking let me just buy this coin and hold it and then hype it up on twitter or something but bch is the exact opposite because it's been through so much of these price declines and also just because of the the whole history of how everything played out the the community is proactive people are thinking i'm making this project or i'm starting this initiative or i'm you know all, all those different things it's it's very a very good mentality to have in the community. And, and I'm, it's amazing when you see it in action, when it all sort of comes together with everyone announcing, I'm doing this project and that project and uh, all of that.
1: I think one of the like most, um, I guess one of the like most reassuring things is um, I don't think there's as much like unhealthy maximalism in Bitcoin cash. I think a lot of the developers that choose to develop on Bitcoin Cash are doing it almost pragmatically, where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of low-fee chains. That's not that important now. But the the culture of trying to promote global adoption and get the, the I don't know, I feel like it's definitely one of the only chains like, I mean, you can use it now as money, and people are still trying to like get just that as many avenues of like that day-to-day use without the oh well we're ignoring these coins just because we don't like them like no we're using bitcoin cash because it's already widely accepted and then it's also useful for what we're doing um and yeah i don't know if that's the case with a lot of other chains just because of how much maximalism is around
0: yeah i mean and i think interestingly for me that i have said in the past and and just personally in my own choices you know i'm pretty strong on bitcoin cash i'm not buying up loads of other coins or anything but that's not to say that i dislike them or that i'm happy any cryptocurrency is better than fiat as far as i'm concerned uh and i just sort of get the vibe that the bitcoin cash community in general sort of follows that approach where obviously some people are split you know into their different coins however it uh, kind of makes sense to them or they're involved but the generally especially for projects if you're investing it's much easier to have a split of coins but if you're making a project usually you've unless you're a sort of your gimmick is a we're going to be cross-chain thing that the whole point is to one chain to another chain if you're not doing that then you generally are best to pick one coin and then sort of ally yourself with that and and be you know, heavily involved in that niche rather than trying to make something generic or sort of trying to keep it compatible with all coins so you can swap out if one coin is getting ahead of the other or you sort of need to pick a lane and stick to it. And I think Bitcoin Cash has a lot of people that are doing that where people are also still very much like the original uh, Bitcoin community before the fork, they're still open to the idea of, yeah, but let's keep an eye on what else is going on because if something else good is happening somewhere else, Let's, let's, let's learn from that. Let's find a way to get that in. You know, you, you don't need to turn around the Titanic every five minutes because there's a newer and flashier coin. But if we see something that's proven and that's working and it's making big strides, let's, let's find a way to incorporate that.
1: Yeah. I'm curious. I haven't really paid much attention and I know that eCash is going this route, but I'm interested if, uh, avalanche like pre-consensus is still on anyone's roadmap, Uh um, I think it's a cool idea, but I, I'm not technically savvy enough to speak on it one way or the other.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't know. We'll wait and see. I was watching a talk uh, a couple of days ago by some of the uh, devs that went went off with uh, eCash and and sort of commenting on how that was a big part of it. They thought that was so much better, and I I still can't really follow the logic for the viewers who are not familiar that. The idea was, which didn't get put into Bitcoin Cash, but it was sort of proposed and heavily uh, discussed and, and was sort of part of why the eCash crowd then sort of left Bitcoin Cash so they could do this, was that they wanted to have uh, sort of a, a proof of stake kind of layer on top of the proof of work that BCH you know, by, by, def- by default has The point being that then you could have faster sort of transactions, that you could have some guarantee that your transaction was going to be included in blockchain after one or two seconds rather than needing to wait for a confirmation, which on Bitcoin Cash would be 10 minutes. Now, Bitcoin Cash already has a different solution for that, which I'm personally a much bigger fan of called double spend proofs, where the idea is that if you see that, if you try and spend your coins and then in the time that it takes to propagate around the network if nobody else has submitted another double spend well because transactions will be included on first come first served on average then you can already be pretty confident so i i, I really like that i think that's really good and we're just sort of starting to see that find its way into different implementations but the avalanche kind of the problem with it as far as i could tell and that i still haven't really got a satisfactory answer to is what's the point if it conflicts with the proof of work so if you have this sort of proof of stake layer uh, if that makes a decision but then the the miners when they're mining the blocks if they decide for whatever reason that they're going to dispute that then does the proof of work win in the end and if it does then what's the point of having the proof of stake so you've kind of by having a hybrid you've sort of got the worst of both worlds because if the proof of stake is what matters then why would you even have the proof of work wouldn't you just throw out all the miners entirely and if the proof of stake isn't the final say well then how much confidence can it really give you in the first place so what what's kind of the point of relying on it to to give you that like certainty so because of that I still haven't really heard an argument for Yeah, getting out of that bind. Either it overrules proof of work, in which case the plan should be to throw out proof of work and miners, or it doesn't, in which case what's the point of it?
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie, I have not thought about this deeply enough, and I've kind of been out of all protocol talk for three months, so like... I, I'm, I'd be talking out my ass if I really said anything on it.
0: Yeah, well, I, I again, I was sort of investigating these this uh developers that were talking about it and sort of trying to see what were their points. And uh, yeah, I couldn't really see it. I didn't find anything in there so far that convinced me that there was really a good answer to that question. They sort of had, they were sort of talking around that, that point, you know, where sometimes when you hear somebody you're trying to explain or promote something and you're sort of like, this is the key question. And then they sort of hand wave it aside or they have some answer or something or some sort of rationalization that's, you feel like it's kind of a bit flimsy or that doesn't hold up. That was sort of the sense I was getting. So in that sense, yeah, I'm, I'm still yet to be convinced about Avalanche, but uh, we'll, we'll wait and see if these other coins can implement it and do it and show that it's great. Maybe it will um, come into the,
1: come into the BCH ecosystem
0: and yeah having uh heard
1: yeah go on i think just to restructure the my phrasing i don't i don't know i'm not clear a lot of the times right (laughs) a little scatterbrained uh i think like developers look at bitcoin cash going this is like incredibly useful for me there's a lot of chains that are incredibly useful for developers but this chain also has a lot of end users already and it's useful for them and i think that that is one of the biggest things to like separate bitcoin cash from the crowd
0: yeah i definitely think one thing that like people undersell or they undervalue or maybe they don't if they listen to this podcast but people don't really understand that that bitcoin cash has a lot of very very unique factors that uh a lot of other cryptocurrencies don't have or can't have you know so in part, you know, the association with the original brand, Satoshi, obviously that has pros and cons. In fact, we, that was our whole episode that we did. Uh, you know, everybody can check that out in episode four where we talked about that. Uh, but uh, like, however you slice it, another coin can't suddenly claim to be Bitcoin. We can, uh, especially if we got the majority hash power, then then that would be it. So the ability to co-opt all of the mining infrastructure is a, is a big thing that another coin can't have. The sort of decentralized dev teams like Bitcoin Cash has managed to build that up where most other coins haven't. The amount of physical merchants, other coins could do that, but they're a long, long way behind. It would take them a lot of, a lot of work uh, to do that. And definitely another thing that it has is that because of the way that the block size war sort of turned out and because of uh, how the industry moved with DeFi, Crypto is at the intersection of a lot of things, but primarily economics and finance. And it sort of came to be that all a lot of coins started going down the, no, I mean, not economics and finance, um, economics and technology. And a lot of coins ended up going down the technology route. They were always trying to make the newer, flashier, cooler protocol, more advanced, decentralized, you know, whatever. Whereas Bitcoin Cash is, state with the sort of the economic angle of it needs to be cheap it needs to be fast and people need to want to trade it like money that they will trade goods and services for it that it's not you know these financial products of making automated markets and different stuff which is largely more an engineering challenge than it is a social challenge but money is is a social construct it's a tool of in people's mind what will they willingly trade for and that's the angle that bitcoin cash has stayed with that a lot of other coins you know because it's a very hard one to do it's you need a lot of engineers to get you know something going on on technology and i mean that's that has its own challenges but to get a social movement going you need a lot of everyone
1: just a lot of engineers doesn't get the job done yeah, I think Colin had it right with the tagline of his commercial where it's it's just money, bro. Yeah, exactly. It's it's as, it's as simple as that. It's just money. Uh
0: and yeah, we're just here trying to make the whole world uh kind of understand that or or treat it that way. And uh yeah, probably, you know, with uh with reasonable success. I mean, for me, I think the biggest lesson of you know, it being the fourth uh birthday or not the first birthday the fourth uh, bch day the fourth day anniversary of the fork is that you know i was not even necessarily involved in a lot of that intervening time period the first three forks or, or whatever but i i came back and i plan to be here for the next one and the one after that because it it's still here ultimately that's that's something that you just you just cannot deny like a project that can win against the odds just time and time and time again is another thing that other communities find very hard to to replicate or impossible to replicate right like the bbc community they love absolutely love this whole thing of the lindy effect which is is true and the idea that basically something that's existed a long time is more likely to exist further in the in the future and you know because the pyramids have been around for 5000 years they'll probably be around for another 5000 as opposed to you know your house that was built 20 years ago well in 20 years time might be gone right so the they say well we have the longest running chain therefore you know we have the best prospects into the future and that's not something you can engineer no matter how clever you are you can't you know, rewind time to make your coin have existed for longer. But Bitcoin cash has existed just as long as BTC has, and it's been through a lot more trauma. It's people have fought harder over the idea. There's been more forks, there's been more chaos, and there's been more passion in the community that even without the price going through the roof and everybody thinking that they're going to get rich, people are still here. And that's going to just show massively, I think, in the next one, two, three years as the momentum starts to build.
1: I think you had mentioned it in a a, in a previous podcast that we had done together where like people kind of psychologically root for the underdog too. And uh, that's another thing that Bitcoin Cash is going for it, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's not like a douchey underdog that's like, yeah, yeah, we're taking it all. Like, or Like, we're trying to get there. Like we're, we just need people like that's the big thing.
0: Yeah, it is a genuine story that I think people can connect with just even as simple as just we are the real Bitcoin. And then you've got to have a bit of like, yeah, sympathy for the battlers who, who didn't get the brand name. But you literally just look in the white paper title and it says electronic cash. Anybody who was around, you know, before the fork knows basically that that's what it was. You know, I mean, uh, limited exceptions, people will disagree. But for the most part, I think, you know, that's true of the early adopters. And then for everyone who came later, it really just needs to be as simple as hearing somebody say, have you read the white paper? No, look, look at that. And they read that and they think, oh, I see, you know, because there's a very big difference between I heard about Bitcoin, somebody, you know, telling me about it or I bought someone Coinbase or whatever versus I read the white paper and I started to think about the history and the technology and you know what is money and people can get excited about buying Bitcoin without any of that. But it's very hard to get excited about Bitcoin cash unless you've done done your homework in that in that front. And that's that's why the converts tend to flow one way from BDC to BCH and not so much back in the other direction. So given enough time you know, as the as people keep flowing through that funnel, eventually the BCH community is just going to have have a, a ton of momentum. And if it's especially if it stops forking, and that's been one of the big things I think in the last six months is there's been no indication or um, sort of murmurs or anything of of really wanting to split or people having huge disagreements. It's just more like everybody's starting to get on the same page, like peer to peer electronic cash low fees decentralized dev teams let's just make it happen
1: yeah i uh i don't even i can't think of like what split we would even have it. like what are we arguing about oh block times i've seen that recently again i'm over that conversation three years ago like why the hell are we talking about this again
0: yeah, I mean, there was sort of briefly, this, uh, you know, uh, things from um, Andrew Stone with Bitcoin Unlimited and wanting to make a sort of test net coin to put in his other stuff. But that kind of faded out pretty fast. You know, I, I'm i not really. Well, it's you know, not a test
1: net if it has real world
0: value, Andrew. Yeah, I, I don't know. There was just a couple of, you know, again, it's sort of like the avalanche thing. There was just a couple of different key points where it's sort of like, if you want a test net, we've got a test net. And if you want to be doing more experimental and different stuff with your coin that the BCH community doesn't agree with, then you're going to need a different coin. You can't sort of try and say, well, it's going to be just a test, test BCH, because as soon as you want to add something that the BCH community doesn't want, well, then you've just diverged forever. And, you, and like eCash, you should just go in your own direction. And so that, but that, the, I thought it was good when that sort of started to bubble up. I thought, okay, God, maybe here we go again. But I, I like that that sort of <laughs> seems to have faded out of the consciousness uh, pretty quickly. And I think, yeah, given the next, like I said in the last episode, given 12 to 24 months, the BCH community who have finally come to some sort of decentralized understanding of what's going on and what are the priorities, if it's just left, left in peace for the first time probably since since the fork if there could just be one year of uh relative stability in the in the protocol then i think the amount of innovation and um you know momentum the community would would generate would be absolutely enormous
1: agreed 100 percent.
0: all right so one thing uh we already were starting to see that uh in the with the fork day People making their sort of announcements it's it's kind of quite cool that the community again in a sort of decentralized fashion all know oh okay it's the first of august so they will maybe just save up a bit of an announcement or something and 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 just all start uh coming out with it at at the same time so we can definitely look forward to that um next year but the the big you know headliner i would say for this uh year with the first of august has been This smart bch launch so i've talked about this a bit on the show and it still sort of remains to be seen exactly how it's going to play out but the idea is a side chain for bch that allows to run the evm which is the ethereum virtual machine and is the sort of base uh, infrastructure that allows all smart contracts and automated uh, markets and everything that's got everybody excited about ethereum but also a lot of the other chains that are the big ones in the market like uh i don't know about cardano but uh, you know binance and different chains uh, a lot of their selling points has been that they're all compatible with this evm so one way or another the evm has emerged as a bit of a de facto standard for a uh, smart contract based uh, thing and all the tools that have been developed and or the developers that understand how to work with that protocol and so on and so forth. So uh, in that same way, BCH has decided to sort of get in on the party a little bit uh, with this smart BCH, which is an amazing project because there's not a peep of anything like this on BTC, despite it being bigger and having more attention. Well, you know, they probably they couldn't support it, but maybe they don't even have the devs who are... Thinking on that that
1: next level, right? Can you imagine the fees that you might get from an EVM on on BTC? (laughs) Yeah, six hundred dollar fees, thousand
0: dollar fees, like yeah, it it just it fundamentally it wouldn't work. So I guess they're not even looking at exploring that. But the idea is essentially that people will be some way or somehow be able to send their BCH uh, or sort of lock it up and then have that money then become available. On this sort of kind of separate network that is uh, related uh, somehow, and then be able to do all those smart contracts and whatever. And then once they're finished with that, they can unlock it to get you know release their BCH again on the on the main chain. And so that means that a you can have all those cool functionality of Ethereum uh, on you know in the BCH ecosystem, but at the same time. You're not creating new tokens. You're not starting a new network. You're using the existing mining infrastructure, and and really you're building on the existing yeah network effect and and sort of combining the best of the BCH world, but already being quite well accepted in terms of just being money and you know in the physical world or for real goods and services or for job payments or whatever. On top of all of that technical stuff that I was talking about before with the financial markets and different you know codes and contracts and, and so on and so forth and so the you know at least in in theory i guess we're going to see in practice it's still sort of is not entirely clear how this is going to go but uh you know a lot of ethereum code can literally just be copy and pasted across and so that could uh generate a huge network effect of uh developers that have been working on ethereum or these other evm based chains to come into to BCH and add a huge surge of uh, productivity. So we've seen this, uh, that the gas limit, uh, which is kind of like the fees on, on Ethereum is apparently uh, 13 million per, I think it's per block. Uh, I didn't, don't know all the details of this, but the smart BCH is supposedly 1 billion. So we're getting 76. X, I think that's right. Um, better. So what does that mean? So. In like, in, in a use case. Yeah, well, again, I, I'm, I think we're going to have to wait and see how this plays out. But essentially, I think it means it's it's sort of the equivalent of having a bigger block size, basically, where on the, if you think of the current. Oh,
1: shit. Okay. That just clicked. <laughs> like as soon as you said that, man. Perfect. Yeah. So
0: like with Ethereum, they have uh yeah 13 million as the limit on their on their one uh in terms of their amount of fees that they will allow but note that uh, for the viewers this is not saying that because ethereum is not against larger blocks they have already raised their block size and they've made their blocks quicker and they're already you know putting a lot of data through their system so this is yet another aspect that is just unreal that somehow the engineers with the for smart bch have made their libraries and their code a factor of let's say you know 75 times more efficient without it being necessarily a problem in terms of the amount of data being being pumped through the chain so it's kind of like if Instead of raising the block size from one megabyte up to seventy-five megabytes, obviously Bitcoin Cash has done that on the main chain. It's kind of like if we had an Ethereum clone, but we'd also found a little switch to make it the the transactions seventy-five x compressed, so they were so much uh, smaller. I, I I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm just completely making this up. This is I'm not a, definitely not an expert in this. Maybe I'll have to get somebody on who knows all the details of Smart BCH. But essentially, it's like the big blocks version of Ethereum, but without, but also tied into the BCH mining ecosystem, and uh, with the idea that these fees are being burned on the ETH, ETH chain on the on the smart BCH chain will be coming out of the existing BCH supply. So that if there's a lot of developers and a lot of people getting excited and interested, they're going to need to buy some BCH to run their applications, just like they would buy ETH to run the ETH applications. And that if those um, fees are just burned out of circulation, then that's obviously good for the the price of, of BCH. So personally, I'm not super convinced that the fee burning is really a key aspect. To me, it just sort of seems like a way of just artificially kind of pumping your token a bit it seems a bit unnecessary like if the if the evm was already generating more use case and more people then that would already help uh, increase the price by increasing the utility i don't sort of see the need to to put the fee burning into the mix but the logic i think from the smart bch team when i heard them uh, talk about it was Basically, that this was a proven model on other coins, and that it's kind of a way for them to give back to the ecosystem in the sense that uh, because their you know side chain is running on the BCH network, and they want the BCH you know community to to be rewarded for their sort of uh, participation and for holding the token, that that's their kind of
1: way of managing that. This very like vaguely reminds me of Wormhole tokens because i think that was um like the burning bitcoin cash was part of their proposal too but that's been so long yeah i, I don't uh, i feel like i need to freshen up my my knowledge on things again i've been out of the space for only 3 months and i'm like it's been, it feels like years
0: yeah i mean i definitely you know this whole segment has been a bit of a riff like i'm certainly not i'm not really an expert on it. Ethereum, I'm not, definitely not an expert on smart BCH either. I understand at a very high level sort of the the idea, the game plan. But the even the implementation, I think, sort of remains to be seen a little bit in terms of how were they going to be transferring coins from one method to the other. Oh, it's live now, so I think they're going to be rolling out some of those tools. But I think they were planning to upgrade it. You know, Maybe initially it was like you sent it to one party and they managed all the conversion, but then they were going to expand it out to more and have a more decentralized approach so i, I we're just c- completely going to have to wait and see but it certainly does not seem like a you know an easily replicable thing for any other chain to have a combo going of all the best of bitcoin plus all the best of ethereum which are the two largest coins and which generally have emerged as the two things you know you've sort of got the money use case of of bitcoin you know, well, store of value or whatever. But, you know, the kind of it's about the finance and then uh, Ethereum, which is it's about the technology. And those two things have been both been proven and both been copied and uh, forked and and had a lot of uh, interest in them. Those, But you can broadly divide cryptos maybe into those two categories. And BCH now looking like (laughs) magically somehow the chain that is going to have both so
1: it's going to be very interesting to see. You watch. You're going to get some comments that are like, "What do you mean you're not an expert in smart BCH? It's been out for 12 hours. You should already be well versed in this."
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I, there's just so many aspects, and it just goes to what we were saying that the co- the community, the scene has just been expanding. You know, so so fast that I I, sp- I read about BCH every single day, but I. St- st- you know, there's no way i can keep up I'm, I'm doing my best to synthesize it down for the listeners but there's only uh there's only so much time in the day really all right so what else have we got here i've got a few other news items uh that have been had in the in the last couple of weeks uh sort of unrelated to the the bch seen specifically more more crypto general news usually Try and get the news segments in and then do the kind of the the main topic. But for this episode, I thought we'd uh we'd flip it around with the the BCH Fork Day celebration. So, in the last uh couple of weeks, we've seen an interview from Tether. So, Tether, who famously did not really give interviews, uh, did (laughs) finally kind of agree to come on and represent themselves on CNBC. See the guy at the bottom? Yeah, that's the CTO, yeah. Bruh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Looks like he's having a rough day.
0: He was having a rough day. And and people can <laughs> can take a look at this interview, but it's the CTO of Tether who came on to sort of defend all the basically the accusations of them being a scam. So users can check it, you know, the previous episode where I talked about the cryptocalypse. Uh, I kind of touched on this uh, that Tether has just been printing tokens out of nowhere they don't really have well audited reserves all the sort of governments and regulators are starting to you know, poke in on them as to what are you doing the New York Attorney General has already uh, banned them from trading in uh, New York and uh, said that they are completely unbacked and they're a scam which they then lied about and said the New York didn't find anything wrong even though they did exactly fine that was a lot wrong so they went on this interview finally the cto and the lawyer uh the general counsel for the company so that's even just another like sign of can you imagine you know the apple (laughs) cto is doing an interview and every time he's got to have his lawyer on the call with him (laughs) live on cnbc do i say it uh you know so it's just absolutely uh crazy and the lawyer ended up doing probably 60 or 70 percent of the talking right uh so their story essentially uh cobbled together from the their two um takes was basically that because they were the largest uh, stablecoin, that therefore the market had proven that they were the best it's kind of the it reminded me a lot of uh, BTC supporters saying the market has spoken when it's like, well, the market's always speaking, mate. It hasn't, you know, just because you're on top now, that that doesn't mean you're going to be on top tomorrow. It's
1: an infant game.
0: Yeah. And so they, they also said that they couldn't provide any extra details about their commercial paper, which is supposedly backing their... Tethers. It used to be US dollars, but that was then thrown out the window and uh, has now become these unspecified commercial papers, which could be worth something, could be worth nothing, probably aren't worth the amount of US dollars. It's like inkjet printer <laughs> Yeah, paper. exactly. That's what they're talking <laughs> It's about. like, you know, Bitfinex, which they're related to, is sort of backing them, but then Bitfinex is propped up by the tethers, so it's all a bit of a circle... Uh, They sort of said, well, we are the most transparent. We're only months away from an audit. But really, the interviewer, she was sort of holding them to account a bit and saying, well, you're saying that, but you have not done an audit. Let's be real here. Like, you've done these attestations, which is sort of like a very lame attempt at an audit. So she wasn't letting them get away with that. And then they sort of had this weird uh, duality of arguments going on where they said, look, the stablecoins market is shrinking. Um, So therefore, it's just generally across the industry, stablecoins are having a tough time. Versus then they were also saying, but we're the biggest. So if the other coins are growing against us, that's just because we already are the biggest. So we don't have as much room to grow. And yeah, the interview, she she was doing a good job of saying, well, that's not correct. Like USDC, they have been printing more because more people have been... Uh, investing USD with them, and they've done audits, and they've proven it, so they're gaining trust in the market, so they're growing, they're, they're catching up to you, uh, so what's going on there, and then they were saying, you know, it's sort of a, it was a whole mix of all these points that I've said, that, you know, when she attacked one part of it, they would switch to another non-sequitur, like, oh, we've already done the attestation, and then she'd say, no, you haven't, and then, you know, it was just a, was a bit of a shell game, uh, including the CTO, he disconnected halfway through the call, and then she asked, "Well, what about the CEO and the CFO? Where are they? Why am I, you know, talking to the CTO about the financials?" And the answer was sort of like, "Well, they were very busy answering support tickets uh, for customer support, <laughs> so they could not be here on CNBC. And it's like, "Because that's their job duties." Like, I you know, I don't know. This is a company that has uh 15 employees and is worth 60 billion so it's like literally the most billions you know the most amount per employee in the world by a huge margin so I don't know if they have customer support even but the CEO is not fronting the media because probably wants to avoid being implicated in the in the lawsuits uh Whenever they really get flying, so yeah, really
1: the scam looking like it's on shaky legs at this point. This is gonna be like lightning, where the conversation's going to be like, "No, it's ready for mainstream in eighteen months." It'll just be perpetually eighteen months.
0: The audit will be months away, and just the unspecified months will just will just keep rolling on. It's I mean, it's already been years that they've been. They've been at these shenanigans, but essentially this, yeah, everybody, the link is right here on the slides, uh, for anybody who's interested, they can go and look at that and it's quite, uh, topical given the, if you combine it with watching my last episode about the cryptocalypse and about tether melting down and you watch this, you can make up your own mind, uh, whether things are looking solid or not there, but I would suggest that perhaps, perhaps they aren't okay so what else we got here so we've got ah oh, this was another good one in the last couple weeks we had this uh b word the b word conference which had a whole bunch of speakers but i didn't really follow much of it to be honest because the most interesting part by far and away was this one live stream here so we had uh Elon Musk, uh, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, and Kathy Wood, who is the uh, head of sort of ARK Invest, which is this big kind of investment fund, and uh, she's gained a lot of prominence. I'd never even heard of her until maybe six or nine months ago, but she was sort of... Was
1: she ever working... Sorry. Yeah, go on. Um... I can't remember if she's the lady I've been following on Twitter that's like kind of involved in politics as well and has been working to like, uh, nope, different lady, never mind.
0: Yeah, no, (laughs) I don't think that, uh, I think she has sort of, well, obviously she's been, you know, up to a whole bunch of stuff in her life. But how she came into my radar and I think on a lot of crypto people's radar was that she there's these videos of her basically saying tesla stock is undervalued and it's just going to go through the roof like over the last you know four or five years she's sort of been saying that and their fund has been making these huge buying up huge chunks of tesla shares and everybody was kind of yeah all right kathy and then what do you know you know tesla had a bit of a renaissance like during the last year, and it's gone through the roof. And so then suddenly everyone was like, oh, she was right the whole time. And so then her fund came in to be a lot of prominence. And of course, because they were right about that, suddenly everybody was interested. Well, what else are they investing in? You know, these sort of, uh, you know, gene, uh, DNA, life extension technologies, and, you know, lots of different uh, kind of niche picks that a lot of people... A cult shit. Yeah, a lot of things that people would not be considering the mainstream but now that she was right about tesla everybody's interested in well what's her next big play you know maybe she's ahead of the game and so she sort of found her way into this call then because she's famously made this great bet on tesla that she's now sort of mates with elon and so and now elon's got into bitcoin so now she's sort of got into bitcoin too as well where i don't think she wasn't calling out bitcoin is going to be changing the world you know four years ago but in the last couple of years somewhere in there too she's been getting excited about bitcoin as well and i don't know whether they own any they own a lot of uh, grayscale trust i think uh well maybe they own microstrategy i don't think they own i don't know well some somewhere or another
1: wait isn't isn't sander the guy that does microstrategy yeah
0: yeah so i don't i don't i feel like it maybe it wasn't with him but somehow or another arc invest does have a lot of exposure to bitcoin i'm pretty sure like whether they, they either own MicroStrategy shares, which is sort of an indirect bet on Bitcoin, or obviously they have Tesla, who now have Bitcoin, and then I think maybe they had some Grayscale shares as well. But one, one way or another, her fund is now, you know, solidly involved in crypto to a certain extent. And so, yeah, so it's, it's the three of them, right? It's Elon, Kathy, and uh, Jack Dorsey. And the people, again, people can watch the whole panel and sort of decide for themselves, but it was a very interesting uh, (laughs) discussion because they, I've sort of summarized each of their takes into like one point each that I took out of what they each had to say. So Elon was kind of rocking the boat a bit where he was sort of trying to sneakily back out a bit of being involved in in Bitcoin. And they were sort of asking him, so you've got some Bitcoin. Uh, And he said, yeah, so I've got Bitcoin, Ethereum and Dogecoin. So he revealed uh, for the first time that he's also an investor in Ethereum. Uh, And I guess he confirmed Dogecoin, but people already knew he had some Dogecoin. And then he said, look, Tesla and SpaceX both have
1: Bitcoin. So it was revealed that SpaceX has Bitcoin as well, right? Yeah. So the Tesla thing, like they never accepted it, right? They announced that they were going to, but it was just like a quick, like they bought it, made a fuck ton of money and sold it.
0: No. So they did accept it. So they, 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 said, we're gonna, they said, we've bought a bunch of Bitcoin and we're going to accept it. Then, then they did accept it for a while and they got some payments. Then they announced that they were going to stop accepting it. Because Elon said, oh, I'm not convinced about the environmental impact of this, which was pretty weird because why would he suddenly, like he <laughs> why would he suddenly be confused about the energy <laughs> requirements of Bitcoin when he is, his, at Tesla, he's, it's an energy company, right? They're doing batteries and stuff. How would this have blindsided him? But anyway, he said, oh, okay, we can't do this because of these energy requirements. We've got to back out of this. And so then people were sort of quizzing him about, look, what's going on with with that? And then they announced, even though he said, look, we're not going to sell any Bitcoin, but then they did sell some Bitcoin, not all of it, but they did sell like a, a chunk once the market had gone up. So he made some sneaky profits there. And and then subsequently has been, you know, a bit of a question mark. He's made a few more tweets about Dogecoin. And so he was kind of getting quizzed on this panel as to, what, what what's going on here? And basically, he he was kind of trying to back out of the the BDC thing a little bit, where he was sort of saying, "Look, I think everybody needs to think about you know Ethereum, obviously, if he's got a little bit, and also that you know scaling at the base layer, bigger block." He didn't even. I don't know that he specifically said bigger blocks, but he definitely said like scaling at the at the base layer is is has got more you know juice in it then people realize and then he said so that's kind of why i like dogecoin because they might be doing that with sort of exchanges and the base layer doing most of the transaction volume so he didn't anywhere say exactly bitcoin cash out loud because you know in this company on this call that would have been seismic if he actually said oh you know i think bitcoin cash is killing it but uh, he he sort of roundabout was kind of going well. Dogecoin's doing bigger blocks, so I think uh, some bigger blocks might be might be getting us somewhere. Uh, and yeah, he was not sounding like oh, it's all great uh, as far as um as far as the. Uh, hang on a second, it's all great as far as um. <laughs> Completely lost my train of thoughts. Let's not forget about this. Too. Yeah, yeah, okay. Let, oh, sorry. Let, let me see. Yeah, you sent me this message and it's uh, it's distracted me. But look, look, yeah. Let's see. He had this one. Basically, basically, Elon was like preaching the choir of of Bitcoin Cash, but he's just has not said Bitcoin Cash yet. But he said everything except Bitcoin Cash. Basically, here we go. Oh yeah, fair point. Yeah. So Kim.com was saying like. Ages ago, uh, over half of all worldwide payments uh, are under $10. BCH is going, you know, big. And he says, yeah, fair point. And he's also then more recently had tweets where he talked about the bigger blocks. And he said bigger blocks is, you know, it's got more juice in it than people expect. And then he was reiterating it on this on this call where everybody was expecting him to be pumping up, you know, BTC. And so then Jack, he was kind of providing the counterpoint where he was trying to be like, no, but Lightning Network is going to fix everything. And Elon was just kind (laughs) of like, yeah, I don't know about that, mate. Like, he was not enthused about Lightning Network
1: uh, at all. I've seen him tweet, too, that, like, just promoting the idea of using exchanges as a de facto second layer. Yeah. And that's what people have been doing for a decade now. Like,
0: Well, it sort of, yeah, it sort of puts paid to the idea that, like Lightning Network would still be allowing people to be on chain because it's like, well, you, you may as well just sort of have it in an exchange. Like you're going to trust an exchange, you're going to trust a Lightning n- node. Like, is it is it really all that different? So that was just very 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 interesting. And he came about this close to saying, "I bought a bunch of Bitcoin cash and like it's going, <laughs> it's it's kicking off." But he did he didn't quite get there. So anyway, that was my read on it. So Jack Dorsey, all about Lightning Network. And then Kathy kind of talks about, uh, she says, well, I think, you know, we're, we're really, it's all about decentralization in the future. And she says, look, I talked to the Bitcoin core developers and that gave me loads of confidence because they're very smart and everything like that. And just she didn't sort of really realize or it was not obviously pointed out in this call that if you can talk to the Bitcoin core developers, I mean that that is the problem right there right if there is a, co- a core people you can talk to and suddenly be getting the the truth about the bitcoin network then it really it's not that decentralized after all is it you know so bitcoin cash doesn't have core developers i mean there's the different node teams so you could get their opinion but none of them can say this is what we're going to do this is how it's going to go right because that's the whole point the whole philosophy but it was just very interesting that you know for she's got you know all her hundreds of millions of dollars and whatever at the end of the day it still comes down to she talked to somebody who was like oh it sounds like they know what they're doing you
1: know yeah i think we also have um i don't know i don't know any core developers that still remain completely anonymous right and we do have some very dedicated developers that still, you know, no one knows who the hell these people are, and I think that's really important. And a little sketchy, but very, very important. Yeah, it makes it
0: hard for the pressure to sort of, yeah, get put on the network if, if BCH has yeah tech technical devs that are strongly involved that are just yeah they're not associated with any uh, other yeah pre-existing interests or they can't as easily be. Or and it's interesting I don't. I haven't been following it really as to what happened to with the, all the Bitcoin core developers but in the past there was sort of a note like there was Gavin Andreessen Mike and Jeff Garzik they all got kicked out in the block size debate then there was like Peter Todd and um, you know he left off his own accord even though he agreed with what they were doing and then Luke Jr. who seems to have been a bit off the scene so all the old guard of the core developers I don't know who's in the BTC core developers now but they they're kind of you know they must be finding new ones out of somewhere or sort of tr- trying to hold it together because the all you know all the early days crew most of them have moved on so it's just very odd for the b2c ecosystem that they have this complete reliance on one team but then that team is constantly a, a little bit of a political mess as to who's you know hot potato who's involved in who's getting kicked off the pro like survivor Island this week, you know, BCH does that, but it does it with a fork, which is if you want to do your own project fork off, no problem. But with BDC, it's like this weird battle over the keys to the kingdom in terms of the actual, uh, <laughs> GitHub repository. And as well, the accompanying status that they can unilaterally declare to the community, we're adding this. And everyone goes, right. whereas in the BCH community, you know, you can say we like Andrew Stone, for instance, was saying, ah, oh, we think we should do this. And then if people don't like it, it's just like, well, we don't like that. So tough, you know,
1: I think the last core developer that I had heard of was uh, blue haired Matt. And the only reason I know that name is because I remember seeing like GitHub threads where he was arguing with other developers about a specific feature and, uh, and then I think he went on Twitter to make a couple like statements, but it's been so long there. I would also have to, you know, get some references. Um, I had another point that I completely lost. So.
0: All right, just interrupt me if it comes back. And so, so you had Elon uh, yep. going for the big blocks angle, but not explicitly saying Bitcoin Cash is the future. Then you had Kathy saying, "I'm all about." The core developers, because I chatted to them and they seemed like a bunch of uh, nice people. And then you had Jack, who was sort of shilling for Lightning Network. And then Elon said, to, he said, look, if Twitter, if Bitcoin had been around back when we'd started Twitter or it had been known or whatever, we would have just integrated it all in there. That would have been awesome. Then we could have had, you know, Bitcoin in Twitter. And so Elon said, so are you going to take uh, Bitcoin in Twitter then? And he was going, well, we'll see. It's not really, you know, just sort of that, what I was saying about Tether, just sort of talking around the point of it. Elon didn't let him get away with it, though. He, he asked him like three or four times, like, but so will you be announcing uh, Bitcoin in Twitter then, Jack? And Jay, "Ah, oh, yeah, I don't, you know. So even after all Jack's insistence that it was the future, you know, Bitcoin being integrated or accepted at, at Twitter was sounding like a bit of a remote possibility and he was refusing to make any commitments on that front. So, uh, you know.
1: Is it, is it Cash App or Square that Jack also Square, owns? I think. And they're dealing with Bitcoin, right? Yeah,
0: so maybe he's testing it out there. So they
1: know how complicated it might be like for their engineering team. So it's not like they don't have the experience or like the technical expertise, like they've done it. So what's the real reason, Jack?
0: <laughs> well, everybody can speculate uh, themselves, but I, yeah, well, I just... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go tweet at him right now. <laughs> hey, uh, Jack, what's going on? Hashtag Bitcoin, yeah. Uh, it's just it's just very interesting because you can just... for uh, Obviously, everyone can make up their own mind, right? But from my perspective, this, this is kind of the case that there's so many cracks in the Bitcoin BTC ecosystem that even though they're the leading uh, cryptocurrency, there's so many subtle things that just slip by somebody who only has a surface level understanding of what's going on. Like This conversation between three of the huge names in Bitcoin BTC and you've got Elon who's trying to back out of being on the record for publicly supporting it. Jack, who's all out saying that he's supporting it, but not really willing to follow through with his actions, and Kathy, who has kind of come in from the side and sort of doesn't really understand that the decentralization part includes the, de- the devs, and if she was chatting to the devs and they all seemed great, well, what what if suddenly they didn't seem so great? What then? So, again, everybody can watch the, the links on the slides, but um, people can... <laughs> People can, uh, can see what they think about that. Definitely uh, an, interesting, an interesting chat between those three. Right. Then we also had JP Morgan uh, opening their crypto trading to all clients. And this is big news, not because I'm particularly excited to have JP Morgan involved, but because the, this is like the <laughs> arch enemy of crypto, like Jamie Dimon for the last God knows how many years, like at least six or seven years probably longer has been saying cryptocurrency is horrible you know it's gonna die it's all a scam you know every objection under the sun but of course then news was slowly leaking out that behind the scenes he was starting to look into it Blah, blah, blah. and now it's come around to straight up like we are getting involved in cryptocurrency so obviously the philosophy of cryptocurrency is to at least take the money printing away from the banks maybe not the whole idea of financial services you could still have some sort of you know loan managers or 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 whatever but uh this is just a case that i've put here on the slides the classic enemy of cryptocurrency begins to bend the knee and that's just ultimately what it is is that after so many years just the banks even if bitcoin bdc has sort of shifted a bit more in their favor Nevertheless, they cannot ignore it. They just have not been able to ignore it any any longer. And so, the things they were going to be doing was Grayscale's Bitcoin Trust, the Bitcoin Cash Trust, the Ethereum Trust, the Ethereum Classic Trust, and the Osprey Funds Bitcoin Trust. And I think this is uh, interesting because everybody should note that they're not involved in Litecoin. Right? I've said before on this show, and I think everybody needs to understand. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, that is the big three. That is the heavy hitters. Even though BCH is further down the list in terms of the market cap, it just it doesn't matter. It's in there when the when the big players are getting involved and they, you know, work it through in their own channels, they talk behind the scenes to different people, they look into it a bit, none of them are writing off Bitcoin Cash. Like they they all know this maybe this could maybe this could come out of nowhere and we don't want to be missing the boat so i think that was i mean very fascinating as well ethereum classics was so i that's sort of a parallel to there. not everywhere gets involved in big ethereum classic but barry silbert who was in the uh grayscale he's a big fan of ethereum classic so maybe he
1: had a hand in there yeah, somewhere too. you know I had, when I first got into cryptocurrency, I had uh, Ethereum Classic, and I lost a couple hundred dollars on it. So I was like, okay, (laughs) maybe not, but still, like, ideologically, I like the fact that they're like, we're not going to accept this chain rollback or, like, this whatever centralized prevention of theft that it was, like, yeah, that seemed like a
0: mistake. Yeah, so for, uh, just quickly, for people who don't know the history, basically, uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash split over the block size limit and over scaling, and Ethereum and Ethereum Classic split over the uh, events of the DAO, which was basically where in the early days of Ethereum they made this grand contract that was gonna, you know, independently with no control sort of be managing funds, and everybody put in millions of dollars of funds, and then a hacker figured out how to drain all the money out, and so the Ethereum community went into a crisis, and sort of all agreed to some extent uh that they would roll back their chain thereby uh, reclaiming those funds from the hacker but also obviously destroying any premise that this is no one's in control because obviously somebody you know obviously the community is able to just undo your transaction so it was kind of destroying that whole censorship free you know they had this whole idea of like code is law but obviously it wasn't law if at the end of the day everyone could just changed their mind about what the code said even though it had been implemented and it had run so they sort of split over that and I think we're going to see a really interesting uh, way that this plays out over the next you know couple of years because now that ethereum uh, the regular version is moving on to ethereum 2.0 I think ethereum classic uh, stay, yeah right? they the so ethereum moving to Ethereum 2.0, they're trying to get rid of the miners and go to proof of stake. But I think Ethereum Classic, as far as I know, they're not copying that 2.0 stuff. They're going to stay with proof of work, I think. So they might inherit all the miners that Ethereum, regular Ethereum gets rid of. And then we might be able to see the kind of uh, A-B test of a, a proof of stake Ethereum with a proof of work Ethereum. Now, obviously, proof of stake Ethereum is going to have the huge lead, Just like bitcoin versus bitcoin cash but it's conceivable that if the ethereum classic crowd are really onto something that this differentiation again could could give them some inroads back you know to uh climb back against ethereum or it could do the opposite it could just consign them to irrelevance because if once they've diverged too far and they can't keep you know copying over the same code and stuff then they're gonna run into grief so yeah, that's, I mean, that's a bit of a side point, but just very interesting that JP Morgan, you know, the banks are now well and truly in crypto.
1: About time.
0: <laughs> About time. Well, I, we'll see how long it takes. <laughs> I wish. I,
1: we'll see how long it takes for the Canadian banks to stop, uh, like, censoring transactions to exchanges. Yeah, I, I don't know, mate. It's, it, it'll,
0: don't hold your breath, basically. So then I've also just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to Bcashy on Twitter. Who So last uh, episode I talked about, you know, I'd put out this uh, song, Disloyal, for the Bitcoin Cash community. And uh, Bcashy made a, a bit of a video remix, which was pretty cool. Had uh, some different like graphics in there and, and really like spruced up the video clip. Uh, I thought that was really awesome. It's always nice when you make something and then somebody else, you know, makes their own version or their own remix or whatever like because people don't do that unless they really like the original right obviously found it inspiring so i wanted to say thanks for that and also that to the listeners that my um release for august 1st was i put out the video clip that i made uh so previously i had the lyric video but we made an actual video of me uh rapping and stuff um released that for disloyal so people can People can check that out if, if they're interested with uh, me playing guitar in front of the in front of the banks and uh, some other some, some other clips of uh, footage that we took at uh, Canary Wharf the you know private island that the banks own in in London. So we went there and had to dodge the security who once they found out what we were doing, well they kicked us off the island, but we were still able to skirt around the edges and and get enough uh, footage so uh, people can can take a look at that uh, if they're interested I, I, had, I had a lot of fun making that and uh, I think the result the result came out pretty pretty good so people could check out on that right so that's uh, that was sort of the main topics for the show but this wasn't even a segment actually last time you were on the you were on the podcast really so third time uh, lucky you can have a bit of free airtime as to especially I guess in light of it being BCH fork day as to, as to the community a message what, what what do they need to hear and, and what will we be seeing you know by
1: uh, fork day
0: in one year from now?
1: So I think uh, this is like not a message to the Bitcoin cash community. I don't want to preach to the choir. But just for any regular-ass listeners, read the goddamn white paper, first and foremost. I'd rather people read the white paper and not own any coins than own coins and not know why the hell they're, like, what the purpose is. Um, And then, like, if you have have questions, don't feel insecure. Like, just ask them. There's so many people who like I feel like are constantly uh, afraid to ask questions. Like they don't want to step on any toes. They don't want to insult people. They don't want people to think they're stupid. But like, how do you learn without asking questions? Right? So like, even if you, even for people that you have developed a trust with, ask even like, if you're not asking them, ask yourself, what might be the incentive that someone is doing something? Um, And yeah, just keep, I no, no. I feel like people have a good head on their shoulders. Like, just don't get too emotionally attached. Keep questioning. We'll be all good. I think we'll all be on a good path.
0: Yeah, agreed. And and funny you say that actually because uh, I didn't bring it up as well here before, but I've had something else in the works uh, as well, which is that I have actually redone the website for the Bitcoin Cash podcast. It was previously. A bit scrappy and so i have upgraded it with some uh docusaurus and uh, the code is all open source so anybody who's interested can go uh, check this out but i started you know putting up some some videos and all that here and i've had the idea to i want to create a bit of a knowledge base here so at the moment the page is a bit empty but uh, i want to create a bit of an faq page where people can go and they can read you know the same questions that always get asked like What's the difference between Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash and all those things like we've covered a lot of that on this podcast, but it's quite hard for people to find if they have to dig back through all the previous episodes. So I thought maybe having some text explanations, because some people would rather read it than listen to it. And then also, you know, as a bit of an index that it can link to those other um, those other resources. And as well, I have here, you know, obviously I already had on the sh- show had a big uh, recommended section with with loads of information um, from lots of different content creators about about Bitcoin and about, you know, everything that people can check out. So I sort of wanted to create a bit more of a knowledge hub there. There are other places to get information about BCH. I'm gonna to link to all of them too, but just a central sort of uh, trustworthy uh, source of, of information. So if everybody anybody has, you know, questions about Bitcoin uh, Cash, then you can, Find this on the uh, GitHub. Just go to the, or they can message into the show, of course as well. I don't know. Send me a message on Twitter or send me an email, whatever. All the details are on the site, but they can go here and look up the uh, source code on the GitHub, and then there's a little issues tab here, and they can submit an issue with their question, and I'll answer it by writing up an answer and putting it into the um into the faqs so that it will be there for for everyone to see you know for for kind of for all time or or whatever and the community as well that's the whole it is open source so if anybody is you know you obviously you're you're in the dev crew now mate you can get get involved if you want uh of submitting some pull requests or raising some tickets or things that should be updated or or change i mean i'm going to sort of moderate it where i'm going to be in charge of you know, uh, making sure the content all, all is kind of up to scratch. But I do want to at least encourage some, yeah, interest from the, the community in, in keeping, because these things change as well. The answers to some questions never change, but the answers to others uh, do actually change. So uh, I, I sort of want to, yeah, encourage more of a, a process of, of that, of finding, finding ways for, for people to get a lot of this information because it is so distributed out everywhere so it can be hard to get a get a hold of it if you're just uh researching it for the for the first time or whatever so that's something else people can uh... i
1: hope people do use that issues too because um i've seen so many resource pages for bitcoin cash that have like include dead links Mm. and like there'll be a fork and then no one will update like whether or not these products still support or have moved on and that's really irritating and then trying to get in contact with some of these people they're not even maintaining stuff anymore yeah. so like i hope that this becomes a good hub for people and i hope people take use of the issues and pull requests yeah yeah i'm hoping to sort of
0: yeah keep um keep keep chugging that along again it's all uh it's only 70 hours in the day right so you know I, i've been doing the new episodes and now i've got this as a bit of a project as well but maybe with prompt.cash it'll all get monetized (laughs) enough uh enough to to where i can quit my job or something i don't know but that's kind of in the long term but we'll uh we'll see so yeah that sort of uh wraps up the episode then uh everybody can donate to the show uh as usual via the qr codes slides and resources now with uh publicly open uh, faqs and all that um it's available at bitcoincashpodcast.com. Uh, thank you, Jet, for coming on the show. Do you have anybody you want to uh, shout out or where can people
1: find you or whatever? Uh, yeah, so I know I've done this already before, but post bootcamp, I again have to reiterate a big thank you to Rod Revere, Mark Massel, Huck Finn, BTC Fork, uh, ZQuest or Josh Ellathorpe, Bitcoin Out Loud. Um, I'm you name, Poker, Poker. I still don't quite know how to pronounce that one. Uh, George Donnelly and Omar for freedom all on Twitter. Without you guys, I wouldn't have gotten the education and the quality of education that I have. And I hope that the things that I contribute back to this space, um, is beneficial to you personally and hopefully to, you know, the world over. Um, yeah. Okay. I think, I think that's my thing. And thank you, Jeremy, because, uh, yeah, I think without this podcast, I wouldn't be in the position that I am now. So, forever, like eternally grateful to everyone that I've just named.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been great. I always uh, love love having you on, and you're you know you nobody's ever going to be able to take the OG uh, guest status uh, away from you. So we have to keep you know checking in with you as as time goes on, as to uh, you know how the ecosystem is is progressing and everything. And you're looking for a job too, right? So people who need uh, a BCH dev, they should uh, be getting in touch, yeah? Uh,
1: yeah, so I guess for like a real quick like personal resume kind of thing, uh, I'm familiar familiar enough with like HTML, CSS, JavaScript. Uh, I really like React for like frameworks. I've dabbled a little bit with Ruby on Rails and then I run um, a BCHN and a BCHD node and I've been practicing a little, uh, like, the uh, Minecraft server runs on the BCHN node. And I'm slowly trying to work with the Proto-C side of BCHD to create my own library. And hopefully, um, you know, make something that other developers can use as well. Um, but, I, I, yeah, any way that can contribute back to the space, I'd love to. Uh, and i'm also completely comfortable and willing to learn like new languages and framework like whatever it takes throw it at me let's get it done that's the attitude that's what you like to hear and my
0: shout out for this week goes to satoshi's angels who have just been doing fantastic work in the space for i don't know how long a long a very long time probably as long as it's existed and uh, the meetup that they had they've been running these online meetups and then the uh, BCH day chat that we all had and stuff uh, it's just great, I absolutely love it, they're doing amazing work in sort of building community and uh, spreading the message so yeah I really want to give them uh, thanks as well, they got, it, they got a shout out at the end of Disloyal so uh, I want to reiterate that, that here, they're, they're doing some great stuff so
1: that's it yeah actually big shout out to eleanor because like even like the idea for the flipstarter came from that hackathon so like yeah all around it's been great interacting with everyone in the space everyone's so like inspirational like i don't know
0: yeah and i just found out i didn't even know but she has her own uh, podcast as well called the humans of crypto I, i'm gonna need to look that up and uh listen in get some get some tips on improving my my own podcast uh, from from that too so i'll put a link to that in the description as well people can go and uh, check that out as well there too and the the live stream of the uh, bch day meetups and you can just see how much uh, innovation and and communities is being created uh, in the space So, yeah, that'll do it for this week. Uh, Happy BCH Day to everyone. Uh, Looking forward to number five next year. And uh, that'll do it until next time.